hello, and thank you for joining the Dr. Whisperer podcast. I am your host, Sharon Feckety. I am the Dr. Whisperer, and I am so happy that you chose this podcast to listen to when there are so many choices out there. If you are enjoying the podcast, please consider writing a review or typing one, shall I say, and sharing it with somebody who might benefit or enjoy. Thanks so much for listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. I'm always excited to talk to somebody that knows more than me about finances. <laughs> and that is basically everybody, because um, it is a, a big role, and it is in the healthcare and medical industry. It's a, a necessary evil sometimes, I feel like, for the doctors that I've worked with to work with people that they trust because they're, uh, I mean, if you've been living under a rock, you've never heard of somebody that has stolen money um, or done some bad investing or had a horrific partnership. Um, So we're going to talk about uh, some of the things that we want you all to be aware of in the medical industry, how to protect yourself, how to invest, how to grow financially and not get screwed to to basically make it simple. So I have Eric Miller here with me today. He's the co-owner. Cone owner or the co-owner of um, right. I mean, it's like that's I don't know. When I'm reading something, I always mess it up. Of econologics. There you go. Econologics. Yep. That's right. Takes a second, right? Financial advisors and the chief financial advisor who has had over 20,000 conversations with practice. I feel like I've had the same amount of Mm. conversations with practice owners regarding personal and business financial success. So, Eric, first and foremost, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's nice to it's nice to talk to you, neighbor. Yeah, and we are <laughs> literal neighbors. His yeah. office, without us knowing, is a block away from where I live, and I bring Charlie Brown into his parking lot every morning, and I swear we pick up the poop. That is fine. So, with that said, um, I love that you help private practice owners to have an abundance of income streams mm-hmm. because it is a very touchy subject in the world of um, healthcare and, and doctors owning businesses and learning how to uh, make their business profitable. So Eric, can you, before we get into the nitty gritty, can you just tell us a little bit about you and why you decided to have this company and do it right here in Tampa Bay? Yeah, I mean, I'm from Ohio originally, but you know, I was uh, I decided to move down to Florida, and it was 2008 when we decided to to, to open up the 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 company, and that was you know 2008. What a great year to open up a financial company oh with everything goodness. kind of like burning down around you. But you know, we did it, and you know, we we knew that we wanted to work with a niche, and we wanted to work with people that we felt number one that we believed in what they did. And I think that's important. Like I wanted to believe in the kind of care that someone gives, whatever, whatever value they bring. I want to believe in that. And I want to help them so that they can do more of that because, mm-hmm. because financial obstacles are a big deal. And when people aren't right with their money, it, it, it doesn't allow them to expand. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to work with someone that, that we felt we could help, but that also was in charge of their own destiny as well. So we didn't work with you know, we could have worked with engineers or hospital people or, you know, teachers or anything else, but I wanted to work with people that, you know, that really had control over their own financial destiny. Mm. So we started working with, um, with private practice owners and I just, we just, I just fell in love with it because the people, 
were so genuine. They were caregivers. They, they loved to help people. And I was like, and, but I saw they were very underserved in the kind of financial advice that they were getting. Hmm. And that was a real problem. And their practices were, were growing in some instances, but their household was not seeing the benefits of that because people hmm. that anybody runs a business, it's like, my business is more important than my household. And 10 years later, you know, your household's still in debt. You don't have any reserves. You, you're not prepared. Yeah. So we just took that and said, okay, we're going to fix this. And we're going to make sure that they get correct financial advice. So we show practice owners how to better utilize their practice and their profits to improve the financial condition of their household. And, you know, we started working with physical therapists and it's morphed into really anybody that has a private practice that is really in control of your cash flow. We can, we can help. I love it. And you have a, a partner in business as well. Yes. Uh, my partner is Diane. She is the, I'm the, I guess I, I would be considered like the advisor. She's more of the, she's the CEO uh, uh, approach and it, it works because, you know, I like to get out there and and talk to owners and talk to people. And then we have a group of advisors that, that I, that I coach that are actually doing the one-on-one -on -one consulting with our clients because it takes that, you know, one and thing she's I've also learned, a financial advisor. She's, she's not a financial advisor. Okay. So Good. she's, she's not a financial advisor. So that's, that's me. She, uh, she handles that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I love that. I think that there should be a mix. I think that um, yeah. that's, you know, I, I didn't start out in medicine. I started in telecom you know, and there's transferable skills. And I think that it's important to surround ourselves with people that, you know, are not just thinking about financial, um, but also about business and, and how we can talk to our clients and serve them best. So you moved here from Ohio, mm -hmm. you started up, do you live here in Pinellas or do you live in Tampa? I live in Largo, or I'm sorry, I live in Clearwater. I live uh, in, uh, yeah, I live in, I live north of uh, Drew Street. Love and, it. Yeah. You're so a local. I'm a local. Great. So, um, so let me just share a little bit about, because uh, I want to have a, a raw conversation about what goes on. Uh, as somebody who has um, had the great pleasure of managing practices herself, and now being on my own for almost 10 years, um, having the great luxury of seeing how this subject is as scary at my client offices as they were at the ones that I was managing. So there is this, um, there's a fear surrounding money. There's a fear surrounding taxes. There's a fear surrounding um, anything that says like buy, sell agreement or, you know, just it's, it's a lot. You know, mm -hmm. I, I worked with a practice that I begged for eight years to buy the building or to buy a building because they had been renting for almost 50. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. Wow. That's what I said when I joined the practice, but you know, there's, there's only so much, right? So doctors uh, from my experience, and I have had the great privilege and I adore them. And what would we do without our healthcare workers? Um, but really it's not their strength. You know, and it's really important that we bring in people that we trust to help us navigate through the financial part. But when I would get a phone call, like that somebody new wants to meet with who, whatever company it was, whatever, whatever financial advisor it was, it was always like, no, no, we're just going to stay with our neighbor. 
that, you know, we've known for a long time. This is not a yep. strength actually to work in our industry, but we're going to stick with him because he hasn't like screwed us completely yet. So what it's is sad, the- it's, it's sad that that's the standard though in yeah. financial people. It's like, well, he didn't screw me. So I guess that he, you know what I mean? It's like, yes. I, I get it. That's important. It's just sad that the financial industry has gotten that low where that's the standard, you know? Yeah. And I think that there's some great people out there in the industry, but I also think that there's a reputation surrounding financial advisors as so many, right? Mm -hmm. Who can you trust? So you just kind of stick with one and then you get all sameness for years and years and years where it's not actually helping you um, with your, your, your own personal investments, your, your personal life, it's really hindering you. So how do you, um, how do you get in? How do you, you know, there's a great book called um, Never Eat Alone by Keith Ferrazzi, where, you know, it's um, uh, uh, coming toward, what is it? Something about the gatekeeper, getting past the gatekeeper. Mm, so how okay. do you, as a financial advisor, get into these practices? Oh, well, as far as our marketing is concerned, you know, I, I speak the language of practice owners. So, you know, we've, we've, we've had so many experiences with them, 20,000 20, conversations. Like I, I know the challenges. Some of my best friends are practice owners. Mm-hmm. So I know the challenges that they go through. So I know that they have difficulty managing staff. I know that they have difficulty, um, you know, figuring out where their profits are at the end of the month. I, I know they have difficulty managing debt and making decisions and all those things. So I can speak to that when we when we go out there and get our message out. That you know, I've I've had twenty thousand conversations with practice owners. I've I've helped n- a number of them, you know, exiting out of their practice, uh, and and I know you know what they're going to do. I know, like I can tell a veterinarian. I know their nomenclature. I know I can what a vet tech is and what a spay and neuter is. I can speak their language. And I think when I do that, they they trust me because they know that I've I've had experience with them. Yeah. So that certainly that certainly helps. But I you know, I think to your point, because you had sent something about fear and and what stops people um, from pulling the trigger. And, you know, one thing I think is that no one really has like, what, what should my ideal financial condition look like? Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of people that would, that'll give you different pieces of, of like what my ideal financial condition would look like. That's where I start with most people. It's like, what, if everything were perfect, we're as close to perfect as we can get it because we can never get to perfection. Mm-hmm. But in general, what would your financial life look like if it were exactly how you want it to look? And I, I dare say it would look like this. So you'd have you have a household that had uh, an abundance of income coming in from multiple sources where you're free of all bad debt, not good debt, bad debt, uh, where you've created a reliable income stream that can pay for your lifestyle. Your business is profitable, sustainable, transferable. Your assets are protected from taxes, inflation, and lawsuits, and you have time to pursue whatever life goals that you have. You start there. Yes. One of my favorite conversations is, um, so doc, tell me about your financial advisor. Oh, we have a really great accountant. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. No, no, that's not what I asked you. I asked you to tell me about your financial advisor. Well, I've been with my accountant for years and he really has a great understanding. And, And I really, really can't believe how many times I have heard that. Um, or, you know, something about a bookkeeper and they're so different. 
they're so different and they should not be advising on these important elements. So have, have you come across that? I'm sure you well, have. Oh, oh we, we've surveyed clients. We've surveyed practice owners and, and 40% of them will say that they trust their CPA the most. And Nothing against CPAs. No, I love I'm, mine. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure we all. And you need to have a good we financial team. Mm-hmm. But I, I just tend to find CPAs. Number one, are going to be super conservative. Mm-hmm. Number two, they are. They're not. They're not necessarily entrepreneurial. And they. And they're going to. They're going to tell you. Yeah, you know what? Mm, I don't really think that you can. You, you should expand right now. You know the numbers don't line up, and you, you shouldn't be doing this or. Don't take that deduction because, you know, I've heard through the grapevine that the IRS may or may not, you know, they, they just are, you know, they're, they're compliance officers mm-hmm. and right. their job is to make sure that your, your taxes are prepared on time mm-hmm. and they would help you navigate if there was an audit, but, you know, they're not looking for tax strategies. They're not looking to minimize your tax liability. Most of them aren't, I'm not saying all of them, but most of them aren't. But they don't really understand like the business side of of your life and, and how that relates to your household. Hey, quick interruption on this amazing podcast, but we have to tell you about our awesome sponsor, Thai Technology. They are so cool and they're here in Tampa Bay, if you're a Tampa Bay listener. Thai Technology is the best voice over IP business phone service company out there. How do I know this? I used to work in telecom before I worked with doctors. That's right. So I know me a good phone system when I see it. Plus, they are integrated with Zoom. They are the only ones that are integrated with Zoom. And if you mention this podcast or you mention the Facebook show, they're going to hook you up with three months for free. Follow them on Facebook and on Instagram, Thai Technology Rocks. So I get it. There, You need them as part of your team and you need a good bookkeeper to keep order into your finances. But that's they're not a strategy. That, that's not a strategy. Like you need a strategy. Most of the time, like I'll tell you, one of the first things that we tell practice owners to do is I, I want you to start taking 10% of your practice revenues and channel, excuse me, channel that to the household uh, as owner compensation, not not your practitioner pay, not your executive pay, as owner compensation for establishing this business and taking all the risk of doing it. It's like your entrepreneurial pay. And I thought they I don't know be, what you mean by that. Yeah, they, they're, they don't, they're shocked. Yeah, exactly. Like, what do you mean my entrepreneurial pay? I was like, well, you're an owner, and when you decided to be an owner. Uh, you took a risk, and all like all the all the mortgages in you are in your name. All the risks are are on you. If a regulatory body comes in and says, "Hey, you know, you shouldn't have char- overcharged this," they're go- they're going to come after you. So you need to get compensated for that risk. I thought I was going to be the biggest hero in the world when I when I gave permission to owners to let I can finally take some profits and channel it to my household. Boy, accountants hated it. Uh, right. uh, pushback from practice managers. I'm like, what uh, is going on here? So I knew I was onto something right because that that was the case. But you see, I just get you just get pushback, yes, all the time. And the that's time. one one thing that you just have to you have to be certain about where you're going because you're going to get pushback and resistance. And it, the worst part is it comes from people that you actually love and trust. Yeah. And that's the hardest part. 
Yeah. It's, um, it's so interesting. You know, I, I always talk to my doctors about my own business. I say, okay, well, I suck at accounting and anything that has to do with bookkeeping or finances. So I have a financial advisor, I have a bookkeeper and I have an accountant and that is my financial team. And I trust them and I go to them individually for different things. I certainly would never and I love my accountant. My accountant is still in New York. I, mm-hmm. went, I, I went through, I think, four of them in my own business because of these. Uh, when I heard that it, the same advice they were giving my doctors, oh, don't do that because yeah. that, you know, that's too risky and you don't want to flag. And I'm like, I'm an independent consultant. Like, this is crazy. Um, so I, I love that you're you're able to do that. So maybe they should understand, too, a little bit more about, you know, what it means to have a financial advisor, like how, how do they pay you? Yeah, you know, the tradi- again, the traditional model for most advisors and what they do is say, hey, how much money do you have for me to invest? And I charge you a percentage for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, or, or I'll sell you an insurance product and I'll get commissions on that. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's most people's experience in working with a financial advisor. And while we certainly do that because we manage investments and those things, we focus on planning. Like I'm, we do planning. Like when I say planning, I'm like, okay, here's your destination. What are the things that you need to do uh, to be able to get to that that destination? And there's Mm -hmm. a plan in place, checklist involved of, of of making sure that all these things are in place. And we do real planning. So I we charge. Mm-hmm. like that i'm like i charge a planning fee mm-hmm. we charge a monthly fee and um, but our the experience and i wanted to mention this you know most people's experience with advisors is i talk to them maybe twice a year and we go over our portfolios and all these pretty pie charts and you know showing me that i i'm I, if i just put away this much i may or may not be able to have enough to not run out of money in 2050 whippy you know, and, and it's like, like, wow, is that really the standard that you want? Uh, no, you, you know, your money is like a toddler at the mall. You know, if you have kids, you know, you take your attention off a toddler for like two seconds and it goes everywhere. Yeah. So money's the same thing. You have to pay attention to it. So, you know, we're on, a, we're on phone calls with our clients, you know, at least once a month nice. and like, okay, are these, are these basic things in place? that won't allow money to leak or to, you know, get spread or, so that you have control over it. Mm-hmm. So it's just a different model. We charge more, you know, what we charge, people are like, wow, my other advisor doesn't charge. I'm like, yeah, look at the results you're getting now, you know, right. with your existing advisor. You can't so, get a filet mignon for the price of a hot dog, Eric. Hey, there you go. <laughs> that, that is, it's true. Yes. And I mean, that's, again, we're, we fight through those standards because people are so used to having an experience in one way. And we're like, I I know this, but your experience is bad. Look at your results. You're not anywhere near where you want to be right now. So you need a kick in the pants. And that's really what we do. I think pretty well is that we hold people accountable and and give them a kick in the pants when they need it, because most people don't have that in their life. Yeah. Well, I, I agree. And I, I'm a pants kicker. That's what I do. (laughs) You know, I, I, I attribute a lot of that to growing up in New York and, and also, 
learning from all of the mistakes that I've watched so many make. And it's, it's very sad. And when I do come in to help with a practice or, um, you know, I'm, those are part of my questions are, you know, who, who's your healthcare attorney, who's your CPA, who's mm-hmm. your financial advisor. And I usually get, a, well, we don't have a, a healthcare attorney on retainer. Okay. Why not? Yeah, why not? Well, yeah. you do have to, if you want great, you have to pay for great. If yep. you want to be mediocre, you will you will pay in the end anyway. You definitely need to build a good, competent team. When I And I'll stress the word competent because a lot of people have a team. They just, they're not competent because they don't know how to measure competency. You know, they're like, well, how do I, how do I, how do I measure whether or not an advisor is good? And that's a fault of the advisors because they should give them, you know, uh, some tools to show like your condition's better because you've hired us mm-hmm. and we've gotten these habits in place and we've established these systems and, and those kinds of things. Now we happen to have a lot of that because we're, we're big on metrics and statistics because if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. But I, I think that that's another missing piece with a lot of people is they, they have a team, but they just don't they're, they don't have a way to measure the competency of them. CPAs, it's really simple. It's like my effective tax rate. What's the percentage? If it's super high, right. my CPA is not doing a good job. Right. You know? And you know, everybody feels, I, I do think that the mindset needs to shift. Like every business owner knows that they need a CPA. Like you have to do your taxes, right? Or right. you don't know. But not everybody feels that they need a financial advisor. But let me be the first to tell you that you need a financial advisor um, because it's really. And, you know, when we talk about our team, we also have to consider whoever is managing your team. You know, I always say that um, people that have great practice managers don't need me. So if you're hiring me and you already have one, well, that's my first flag. So let's figure out why you want to pay me and pay this person. Okay, cool. But I'm going to, I'm like, you know, I'm like, I get rid of all the cockroaches with a flashlight. You it, know? I, it's such a valuable thing because the, the tox, I don't think people realize one toxic person in your, in your practice or even in your life can really, they can destroy. I mean, that's what they do. And it's, it's one of those things where I, I, I'm sure you've seen it. Once you get rid of a toxic person, it's like, it's like, oh my God, I've never, I've never seen like jumps in revenue. And like, that's the best financial advice I can give to people. Like get rid of, you know, the, you know, the, you know what in your life and, mm-hmm. and you'll see, you'll see progress. Um, yeah. But I, you know, I'll go back to that thing that you just talked about is like, like buying that building. Right. Now that, now that, uh, Someone that doesn't understand a medical practice and the benefits of that, you know, most advisors would say, well, don't buy the real estate, don't buy the building. And whereas it would be like, that would be a great strategy to do. It offsets taxes. It, you know, it gives you an income stream going forward, stuff like that, that most advisors do not look at. They're only looking at your investments. They're not looking at your practice. They're not looking at your real estate. They're not looking because they don't get paid for it. Right. You know, so But it's such an asset. It's such an advantage to be able to do that. You know, when I go into practices and I see um, space that's not being utilized, I, right. I just start thinking about, okay, so who can we bring in to rent space here? And they're like, what, how long have you had this space here? Not being utilized. Oh, it's been like this for five years. And I'm like, (laughs) 
you know, right. you know we tell you know we tell people you're the biggest expense i ask people what their biggest expense is and of course i'll get all the the standard answers taxes staff wages cost of goods sold mm -hmm. i'm like nope not even close i go your biggest expense is money that you should have made but you didn't lost income and to the point yes. you just made right there. Like you have all this space right here that could see new patients. You could rent it out. How much right. money has that costed you? Multiply that by how many years that you haven't been doing anything about it. And, you know, could you use an extra $200,000 that you could have had right here? Right. You know? Everything always comes back to if you don't realize that you need help and should bring on experts to help you because Many a doctor I have met in my career that says, well, I'm going to try to rent out that space. That's a good idea, Sharon. I'm like, you can't do that. Right. <laughs> you have to see patients. You That's will right. not be able to do it well, right? You might be able to do it, but you won't be able to do it well. So yeah, the hardest thing is to get people to understand that having people around you that are going to help support and build your company is what you need to be a successful business owner, whether it be a doctor, right? I mean, that's, that's what everybody needs and trust and all that good stuff. So um, Eric, I'd love to bring you back again another time for like a part two, because I think this is such an important, important conversation. I, I highly, highly encourage anybody that is listening. If you're a doctor, a physical therapist, the vet, Whatever business you're in, you absolutely need to have an amazing financial advisor, somebody that's going to help you grow, right? Somebody's going to help you grow and, 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 and monetize all of the things that you might not have thought of. Because it's great when you find cash floating around. It's, it's the best part, you know? <laughs> Well, yeah, anytime you want to, uh, that'd be great. Just um, yeah. we'll, we'll connect and we'll figure out another time to do it. Just come knock on your door next door. So there I'm going to have all of your information in the show notes. I highly recommend that you get in touch and, and start thinking about just doing business better. And doing business better means getting people around you that care about you and care about your business. And, and it sounds like we have a friend in that with Eric Miller, who's right here in the Tampa Bay area, and I'm sure available for other Yes. Other areas, not just Tampa Bay. All oh, right, we're, Eric. We're, all, 100, we're in all 50 states. We have Beautiful. You heard that, everybody? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Eric. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to leave a review or share it with somebody you know and care about that would benefit from listening. But more importantly, if you are thinking about advertising your business in the year 2021, Sponsoring a podcast is major. 44% of people pay more attention to advertising on podcasts than any other media. And 37% agree that advertising on a podcast is actually the best way to reach them. 70% have considered a new product or service after hearing an ad on a podcast. And I'm one of those people. And this is all according to Edison Research. Don't believe me, believe the research. So if you're interested in sponsoring, give us a shout. Uh -huh.